I'm actually Scottish, but when I was young, we went to live in Canada when I was youngest member of the family, so I had no say on that matter, but grew up in the Canadian culture and went into broadcasting. And during that time, uh, came to Christ, a really very specific um, conversion that was for me like Paul and his Damascus experience. And um, from there, uh, my wife-to-be and I were then married. And we went back to England to train for the ministry, had a church there that we pastored, and then pastored back in Scotland, where I was born, and then finally came back to Canada, and then pastored in that third setting for about 15, 16 years, developing what we do now, resigned in 1997 from the Four Wall Church ministry, and now have had the immense privilege of traveling to about 100 nations with the, the message that God gave us to share. Now, you've got an incredible ministry uh, called Partnership Ministries where uh, you really, in the 21st century church, you have a heart to combine prayer and research, preparing communities, uh, cities, nations, and marketplaces for lasting revival and authentic transformation. Now, when I hear the word transformation, I think about those wonderful transformation videos that were out years ago with George Otis Jr. Tell us about your involvement with those. When we were in the process of changing from parish or church work, uh, I was also very closely involved with the developing of these initial transformation DVDs, as we call them now, with George, who's a good friend of mine. So he and I actually worked together for two or three years developing the initial templates, showing what it's like when people pray with understanding, insight, address the implications, uh, address the impediments that might stop authentic transformation from coming. Just as you pray for the individual, we were learning how to pray for entire cities, uh, communities, even nations. And so that, that particular period of time was establishing what I call a template in our own lives, which has now gone to you know, many, many nations where we keep on learning and growing with these people. But we have probably around about 800 cities, uh, ranging from three to 4,000 in size to 22.5 million in which we have watched God do extraordinary things when people capture the vision of his heart and undertake the due diligence that he requires. That's why we talk about prayer and research going together. But at least that number of cities, again, that we have, for different reasons, chosen not to record, but they all are in a process of being changed, including even some nations where prime ministers and presidents have asked the Lord Jesus to become Lord of the work and Lord of the nation. So it's been an amazing journey for these for these last few years, and the journey continues. 
And it's an incredible uh, series, uh, that, that transformation series, just thinking back to that too. Uh, or, uh, you know, I remember visually uh, seeing the, the, the fruit and the veggies that were being blessed in some of those areas where transformation and revival was taking place. And, and you talk a lot about the healing of the land. Uh, just speak to that for, uh, for, a, for a little bit. Well, the healing of the land is one of the transformational breakthroughs referred to in Leviticus 26, which is really a verse and a, and a, a passage which goes right through to the book of Revelation. Personally, as we have gone to many nations and cities where people have asked us to come in and work with them, working with the churches, even with businesses, entire businesses that go into transformation, that's an amazing thing to see. Um, we've actually watched all seven shifts right from ecological change right down to innovation and creativity, new ideas that are being birthed and born in those areas and those cities. So to talk about the large carrots of Almalonga, Guatemala, we've watched uh, fish return personally. We've watched land healed. I, I work with many farmers and business personnel where before prayer, their crops perhaps were yielding 20 to 30 bushels an acre after prayer, after doing the due diligence, well, almost up to 100 bushels an acre of the highest quality type of product. And the, but it, it doesn't uh, stop there. The, these then become marketplace templates and churches that then have a very profound cause and effect inside their, their provinces, their states, their cities. So the ecological part, Matt, is a part of a much bigger picture and bigger promise. Healing of the land, therefore, is the result of when people are praying according to what God shows them, starting with themselves, because they can't really pray for something they have not gone through themselves, if there are impediments. And then God takes that earned authority, and he positions it into the heart of the city. And that's when you begin to see these other amazing changes begin to take place. And I'm curious to know about uh, your research in Australia. Like you mentioned, there's been many, many communities around the world that you've seen in transformation and revival. Uh, in Australia, uh, you know, we've seen little pockets. Like we see uh, th th there's a, an Indigenous community called Mullen in WA where uh, they've had like a third of their, uh, their, their town has been baptised and come to Christ after Christian radio and TV has been there recently. And there's now a chaplain working in there, you know, a real transformation in their little community. We're, we're hearing pockets of that around Australia. What, what are you hearing about our country? We're hearing, that, well, I would say when people ask me that directly, as they often do, I often have referred to you as a template nation. I think part of the uniqueness and the strength and the quality of the Australians is your perseverance, is your willingness to see beyond what now is to what could be an amazing persevering people. That's behind one of the five areas that I look for to see transformational shift. That's persevering leadership. So as we've had the privilege of going to all of your major gateway cities, in all of the ones where we've been asked to conduct conferences or seminars, we have witnessed people asking the right questions. We have seen initial breakthrough, whether it's in Brisbane, Sydney, Parramatta, Adelaide, Melbourne, and so on. We, we're actually seeing that. Of course, there's Toowoomba, and of course, there are there, there's Mullen that you refer to, but there are also other Aboriginal communities where the people there who really have an understanding of the land, have been praying correctly and positionally now for some years. But I think personally that Australia 
is on the verge of some profound breakthroughs because when we refer to transformation, this is not just a fly-by-night thing. This is something that's a permeating, penetrating, pulsating expression of God's purpose at every single level of life, societal life, ethical, moral, spiritual, of course, uh, productivity, all the aspects of life as we have it. So transformation to be transformation means that we need to see authentic societal shift where the fabric of life changes in the way that does reflect the honor and purpose of God in that area and in that nation. And mate, I just love hearing your heart and passion to uh, see people come back to God and get the heart right, not just personally, but as a community and as a nation. And uh, one thing you've you've done recently is uh, re- released a new book called In Holy Fear, covering the topic of the fear of the Lord uh, in a prophetic and practical manner, uh, saying it's the missing ingredient for authentic community transformation. Yeah, that's correct. And... Uh we, we have over the years written various books on how land is healed and what is transformation. But over the last few years with our Australian publisher, and we're, we're thrilled to have an Australian publisher, CHI Books, uh, one of the reasons that we do that is that we like to determine what it is that may be missing in the way that the church and may the marketplace and the way people might be praying. And we have really researched this very exhaustively to all the historical revivals that we would use the term revival for, meaning an extraordinary move of God that shifts an entire city or an area, and also in present-day expressions. And the one thing that we see that's common to all of those earlier expressions and the authentic expressions today is the fear of the Lord, which people don't really like to talk about much because many people have got a misconstrued or an inadequate perspective of that word fear when it's related to God, perhaps through their own upbringing, through a bad relationship with the Father, uh, through the way that our family units are so disintegrated today. So what is the fear of the Lord? It's really threefold in the Bible. It is about the absolute awesomeness and reverence of God. It's about being obedient to what God says, not because he He's a killjoy, but because as he gives us boundaries, these boundaries are there to establish a fullness of life and to minimize the backlash of the fallenness of life that we all go through. And the third is to reject evil, even if that evil is a cultural addendum to life as, as we now experience it. If it's not of God, as I find, you're now saying yes to things I say no to, you know, this is what we see often in terms of God's vocabulary and his sadness. So when I look to the fear of the Lord, it is profound. It is fabulous. It's really God restoring the intimacy of his relationship with us, but also in a corporate setting. So we've had the immense privilege of praying with areas, uh, certainly with, uh, with many businesses, farmland, churches, uh, groups of people, and when the fear of the Lord is prayed back into that community, Matt, it goes beyond the expression of descriptive vocabulary. It is profound how the holy fear of God literally serves notice to that place that God needs business. And so that's why we wrote this book called In Holy Fear, or really the subtitle is Rediscovering the Fear of the Lord. And I wrote that book on a journey between Adelaide and Darwin, and it was, this was just a few months ago. The opening of the book was based on that. 
And so there again, Australia for me is a template nation. Each time I come here, something of the breath of God reveals new insights to me. And this is where this In Holy Fear book came from in, in that last trip to Australia. Such an important message you're bringing. And uh, I just thought on a practical level, you know, there might be people listening that are thinking, you know, I love this idea of transformation and revival. And I love this uh, this idea that we can see people turn back to God. And, you know, you're saying that one of the keys is prayer, as well as research and understanding, you know, uh, more more details. But just stopping there on the, the theme of prayer for a moment. Would you just encourage our listeners, you know, what is the best way to pray for our communities? Give, give us a bit of a template of how you pray when you go into a community. One of the first things we do is, well, three things, is we ask why things are the way they are. Now, because often people pray at something, they're not praying into something. So we, be, we can be very reactive in the way we pray when we're surrounded with problems. But if we ask the right questions to fight the right battles, that shifts the way we pray, even for people. So number one, ask the right questions. Why are things the way they are? Number two, how did they get like that? How is it our society, our church, our business, our broadcast studio, our community, how did it get the way it is? Number three, then what are we going to do about it? So that's putting muscle on prayer. That's not throwing darts at a nebulous dartboard. The, the second part of how I respond to your question, that is very often people come in and they're not sure how even to begin praying. And we found historically that the number one way to position ourselves for that type of prayer is through humility. Just like Jesus modeled that by picking up the towel rather than throwing in the towel, and then the fullness of the kingdom of God was, re- was revealed, our humility posture our willingness to become holy like the Lord who will establish in our lives what's not of him and we deal with it, then leads to a hunger. And when that hunger permeates the way we pray, God literally collaborates with us and shows us what's on his heart. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen: if we have the fear of the Lord in our lives, he will confide into us. I mean, that's, that's just an amazing verse. And then the fourth, and this is the one that always catches people, off, uh, off guard. It's found in Isaiah 57. First, then, is humility. Second, is holiness. Third, is hunger. But the fourth is hopelessness. It says here, you would not say it's hopeless. And in that passage, it says, the man who makes me his refuge will inherit the land. But we have to be willing to say that we can't find renewal in our own strength. Um, we have to admit that issues around us are hopeless because our strength is not adequate to deal with the issues. So when we position ourselves in prayer with those areas that I've been outlining there, you're postured for a type of breakthrough prayer, but you're also positioning yourself to hear what the Lord has to say. And then we pray into being things that are not as though they were, Romans 4:17, And we begin to have a whole new collaboration of how God is revealing to us what is on his heart, in that area of our responsibility. Well, let's hope and pray. Many have been stirred up by uh, hearing you sharing today on these topics, and uh, I think uh, you're a history maker. Uh, We've been talking to Reverend Dr. Alastair Petrie, author of the book In Holy Fear, uh, out where all good Christian books are sold. And, uh, mate, thanks for uh, visiting our nation and uh, inspiring us today. God bless you. Thanks so much. Great privilege to be with you, Matt. Cheers. 
Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.